Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Glad to hear it. My name is Keith, and uh, it's an honor to be here with you this morning at Beacon Church. Uh, got to meet some friendly people, some new friends, Scott and Rachel and Josh and others who have introduced themselves. And so if I haven't had a moment to introduce myself to you, hi, I'm Keith. And uh, I'm here with my wife, Amy. Our two kids are over in Kids Quest, Nate and Cece. My son is eight, my daughter is six. And we love what God is doing on the island. How many are grateful, as Pastor Robert just shared, that there are churches that are saying, let's collaborate, let's be united, and let's see Long Island come to know Jesus. How many would say that's your desire for where you live? Like, we've got friends, we've got family, and they need to know Jesus. And so this is just such a cool experience and a cool day for us to drive like a three days journey from Riverhead to get here. Um, it was, it was quite the hike, but we, we made it, and uh, just grateful to be here with you all this morning. Uh, I've grown up on Long Island, born and raised, uh, born and raised in the church as a pastor's kid, and I am grateful that God has called us here to see what we call home transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So good morning. I'm glad you're here, and I am super glad to be here, and I want to talk about this word, happiness. Would you guys all say happiness with me? Happiness, happiness. So we're about three years into, uh, three years, three months into the new year. And maybe you, like most, set out with some resolutions or some goals or some desires for 2023 to be a little better than previous years. And despite not knowing maybe your goals and your specifics, I think we could all rally around this word. How many would say, you know what, I just wish my life was a little happier? a bad thing. The rest of you want your life to be angrier? Is that the opposite? You're like, I just, if I could just be angrier this year, if, if life could be a little worse this year, right? We, we all kind of have that desire in us for happiness, no matter what age or stage you are or what season of life you're in. When we see a word happiness, there's a leaning that we naturally have that says, I want that. I'd love to experience that. And so I want to begin with just imagining all together. What does your happy day look like? What does your, like, what does your happy day look like? And so I would suggest to you that maybe you wake up on a happy day and when you get out of bed, there is no back pain. Anybody? Like the only cracking is the floorboards and you are so thankful for that. Uh, and then there's a ringing at the door and you are greeted by a DoorDash person and they have a bacon, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on a roll. And you don't know who ordered it, but praise the Lord, he has provided fresh manna this morning. And you get in your car, or if you're a student, you, you head to school, and it's just a peaceful ride, and you're enjoying it. And when you get to class, your teachers are happy, your friends are happy. When you get to work, your boss is so proud of you, all the hard work you've been doing. Says, we are going to promote you on the spot. Go home, enjoy the rest of the day. If you've got kids at home, you come home, and there's no Lego minefield to navigate as you walk through the house. Uh, there's dinner waiting. It's just a happy day. So 
let's talk about normal days. You wake up and there's back pain and you slept in and so it's black coffee for breakfast and there's traffic and if you're a student, you didn't quite get the project done and you're hoping your teacher forgot about the test and you're getting to work and you're upset and your boss is upset and you're rushing home and I just want to invite all of us into this reality. That is normal. Say normal. It's normal. This side of eternity where we are, what scripture says that we are in between the already of Christ's coming and the not yet of his return, as we live here, we are going to experience normal days. Things are not going to go well. And I don't know your personal story, but I could believe that there are many in this space where it feels so draining and so hard and so challenging. And maybe for you, it's a relationship that feels so broken and dysfunctional. It's a friendship. It is your career. It is your schoolwork. Uh, it is your hopes for the future. And it just feels so draining. And so when we see a word on a screen that says happiness, there's something that wells up in us that says, I like that. I just don't know how to experience that. I want that, but is that possible? And maybe today, if you are a follower of Christ, there could be tension for you saying, well, is God even concerned with my happiness? Because maybe we look at God and say, well, God wants me to be holy. He doesn't want me to be happy. You ever thought that? As if holiness and happiness stand in opposition to one another. And I do believe that God cares about our happiness. And my belief for that is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he goes through these eight statements that we call the Beatitudes, and every single one of them is blessed are. And the Greek word for blessed is makarios. Say makarios. Look, you're speaking Greek on a Sunday morning. You are, that's awesome. Makarios. And that word means blessed and it also means happy, but don't miss this. When Jesus says blessed are or happiness is, it has way more to do with your position as a child of God than the possessions in your hands. It has to do with your status, not with your stuff. So Jesus could say things like happy people mourn. Happy people are persecuted. Happy people experience loss. He says these things because Jesus has for you, and if you are not a Christ follower today, this is so invitational. Jesus has for you happiness that you could never experience without him. So as we discover happiness this morning, and as we look over our mundane and regular and broken days, and we're longing for happiness, I want us to see the connection that Christ offers us today. So the title of today's talk is simply Happy Days. Ha some of you, come on, give me some thumbs up if you know the Fonz. If you don't know the Fonz, that's all right. We're introducing him to you this morning. Happy Days, that we have this desire for happy days. And so I want to show you in Scripture how you and I might experience happy days we're going to read the words of Paul in a moment, but before we read his instruction to us on how to experience happiness, I think it's worth us knowing his credibility. Has anyone here uh, ever been offered advice by someone and you're thinking, you cannot offer me advice? <laughs> like, 
you can't speak to me about parenting if you've never parented someone. You can't speak to me about this level of loss if you've never gone through this. You can't just throw bumper sticker Christianity across my pain and say it's going to be okay if you don't know. So before we read Paul's words of instruction, I think it's worth us discovering who is this Paul? Why should I allow him to speak into my life? Why should you allow Paul to speak into your life this morning? So let me introduce you to what Paul has gone through. I consider this passage of scripture a first century example of a Facebook rant. Have you seen these before? I know no one in this room does this, so we're in a great space. But there are these people who will just rant on Facebook or throw up videos on Instagram of how hard their day is and how long it's been and and all of this. And, And so I think that Paul does this in some way in 1 Corinthians, not as a source of complaining, as we'll see, but really to offer credibility to his listeners to simply say this, I understand. You and I as humans, we look for a human connection with others. We desire for people to know us. We want to be known and to know others intimately. And so Paul offers his listeners, the Church of Corinth, some words that we will read today. And here's what he says about how he understands hard days. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. So if we're not familiar with this, it'll go back one verse. That 40 lashes minus one is the most excruciating form of torture possible. He says, I've been whipped and it has hurt (laughs) five times over. He continues, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day In the open sea, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. It sounds like a pretty decent country song, doesn't it? Like he just needs a truck and a drink and he's got a one hit wonder. I mean, he's just telling us like, here's what I've been through. I have experienced All of this, this has been painful. This is normal. This is broken. This hurts. And he continues on in verse 27. I have labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So what Paul is offering us this morning and what he offers his listeners is, I get it. I understand. If Paul had a vision for his life, I'm not sure being pelted with stones was a part of the plan. Being beaten with rods, uh, losing friendships, not having job security. So wherever you and I find ourselves today as we are awaiting Christ's return and knowing who he is and what he's brought to us, we are going to have moments where we say, this is not what I Expected. This is not what I planned. How am I supposed to experience happiness here? And Paul is telling us, I get it. And I just want to offer that to you this morning because before we read his words of instruction, it can seem so calloused and so removed to just hear, oh, yeah, 
I get it. It's the Christian answer once again. Just pretend everything's okay. And Paul meets us and says, no, I understand. And I say to you, most of whom I don't know, I don't know your story. I don't know the pains you walked in here with. I don't know the dysfunction. I don't know the brokenness. I don't know what your string of days looks like. And I don't know how much you need to experience happiness. So may all of us now come to his word with that in mind. That we may not fully understand what the person next to us is going through. But we will see there is one who does. So Paul gives us these words, and before we read them, one more disclaimer. If you have been in church for any period of time, you've probably heard these words before, and I invite you to lean in and not check out to say, oh, I've heard this before. Because oftentimes I found in my own life, when I open scripture, I can allow the familiarity of it to cause me to miss what God has to say. Can we make a deal there? Everyone going to listen? Say, I'll listen. All right, you just made a promise in church, so don't break it. Philippians 4.11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. How many just by a quick show of hands have heard this verse specifically before in their lives? Many of us. Good. So we're going to hear it again today. And my prayer is that we would discover what God has to say through his word. Uh, I want to talk to you about the word happiness, but I also want to talk to you about a very offensive word. A word that is not celebrated in society. A word that we don't highlight and promote too often. And the word is contentment. Contentment. Uh, I will single out one company simply because I buy enough of their products that they could not get mad at me for saying what I'm about to say. Uh, This fall, Apple is not going to run an advertising campaign that says, you know what, we've met as a leadership team and we believe the best thing society can do is to not upgrade their phones. We are encouraging everybody to be content with their current models. Um, We want to create a culture of contentment. We're doing away with the Apple upgrade program. Please, just, your phone still works. Don't buy another one. So, like, and I, we all will in the fall, so that's why I say that. I, I will. Why is that? Why is it that you and I are constantly on this quest for more, and I think it's because we have somehow connected the dots wrong. We've thought that if I get more, then I'll be happy. If I could acquire more, if I could experience more, if I could achieve more, then I will be happy. And that is discontentment. And what I offer to you this morning through the words of Paul is this. If you want to experience happiness, I I believe that happiness is connected to contentment. The true happiness found in Christ, as we will see as we read back through Paul's words, if you want happiness... If you want happy days, then you have to understand this word, contentment. And it's going to take a little work because it's not on display. It's not highlighted. So we have to then ask, can we be content? Or or let's talk about the word happy. Can we be happy 
on bad days? Can we be content on bad days? So I'd love for us now to just read back through Paul's words, and I'm simply going to offer three thoughts for three verses. So what did he say first? We read it. Philippians 4.11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. As we begin to talk about the word contentment, the immediate pushback that may well up in some of us is, well, I'm just not a content person. And maybe you say that because you know content people, because you've been around content people, because you've seen friends and family members who don't seem to fall into the trap, the myth of more, and they're, they're just satisfied with what they have. They're satisfied in God. And you might push back and say, well, that's great for them, but listen, and this is how we pretty it up today. We say, listen, I'm driven. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got vision. And maybe so. And I believe that God has created every per person on purpose for a purpose. And you should achieve great things in your life. But don't mask discontentment with being driven. And I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal where that line is for each of us. But to just throw up our hands and say, well, I'm just not a content person, so I can never do this. Look at the beauty of this verse. Do you know who was not a content person? Paul. How do we know that? Well, it's a little bit implied, but what does he say? I have, what's this word? He learned it. I just speculate for a moment. How many shipwrecks did it take for Paul to learn contentment? At what point, fourth, fifth beating with stones, he throws up his hands and says, I've got it. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> we can stop with the rocks. I have learned contentment. Paul says, I've learned it. I've learned it, which is good news for us today. So my children, eight and six, uh, we are responsible to teach them by being their parents. And one of the things we are attempting to teach our children is contentment. There are moments where I will sit down with my children. I'll say, guys, we have had 10 Oreos. We have to stop. I know this is a box of 30. There's three sleeves. We have eaten one serving of this box. We cannot do the whole thing in one sitting. We have to be content. And I would offer to you today, and I mean this by no disrespect, but there are kids in Kids Quest right now, and here we are in adult church. And do you know what I tell our church often we are as adults? We are simply taller children. Still in need of learning lessons. We still have to learn contentment. And that is good news. Here's why. Contentment can be learned. Isn't that good news? Like if you're saying today, okay, I want to be happy and happiness is connected to contentment, but I'm not really content. So what do I do? Learn contentment. We learn it. And, and I want to make this as practical as possible for us. So I would encourage you, if you're not a note taker, start now. Statistics show us that note takers are 99% more likely to get to heaven than non-note takers. Um, so I, and 85% of statistics are made up. So whatever you want to do with that, do with it. But maybe, just maybe you write this down or you remember it. If you really have a desire to learn contentment, here's two practical things you can do starting today. The first is this, become a preacher. Now, don't get nervous. I did not say become a pastor. 
And becoming a preacher doesn't mean standing in front of a room of people and speaking. I would encourage you, if you want to learn contentment, you only have to learn to be a preacher to one person. And I'm talking about the man in the mirror. I'm talking about you've got to learn to preach to yourself. Students, you've got to learn this. Adults, we've got to learn this. Wherever you are, age and stage, you've got to learn how to preach the gospel to yourself. Martin Luther says that our heart is a perpetual idol factory. It is always producing idols for us to worship in place of Jesus. And on those days... In the moment where you wake up and the day is already a bad day because of how you woke up or how you went to bed. In the moment where there's traffic, where the job, the the family, whatever it is. In those moments especially, you and I are going to be tempted to become discontent. We are going to be tempted to find our satisfaction in somewhere other than Jesus. And so we'll say things like, well, it's been a hard day and this is exactly how I'm going to end it. And you'll embrace whatever vice possibly you choose so in that moment you have to become a preacher you've got to know God's word we have a phrase we say at Blaze Church do you know how to gospel your own heart do you know how to preach the good news of Jesus to your heart because in that moment you can't just take out your phone and text Robert or Trevor like guys I'm getting I'm getting tempted please give me a bible verse I need it now they may not be available (laughs) You've got to know how to preach to yourself so that when these moments come and you're learning contentment, you're saying, no, no, wait a second. I know or I think that this is what's supposed to satisfy me, but I know what God's word says. I know who Jesus is and I'm going to turn to him. So become a preacher. And here's the second thing, and and this is going to completely blow your mind, the depth of this next teaching point of how you can learn to be content. Are you ready? It's simply this. Say thank you. Say thank you. Yeah. Uh, If you're a parent, you, you, you know this with your children. Oftentimes we'll hand them something, and then we will probe them a little with a phrase that says, and what do you say? And what do you say? Right? And, and I just think that the father in his goodness with the blessings he's given us is oftentimes like, okay, what do you say? <laughs> and, and when we adopt an attitude of gratitude, when we choose to say thank you, it cultivates a heart of contentment for what we have in our hands. And this is incredibly hard. And we can't miss exactly what we are to give thanks for. So let me show you what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I believe that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is very specific with how he writes this. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. For it, he doesn't say give thanks in some circumstances, giving us moments where we shouldn't offer to the Lord our gratitude. He says, and don't miss it, give thanks in all circumstances. It's like some of you, you haven't thanked him for your beaten up car in a while. But maybe you get in it and you just say, God, I thank you. I don't know if this thing's gonna start, but I thank you. 
And, and while it's rattling, you say, Lord, just, let, just let's rattle down the highway together. Just, just keep going. We're just thanking him in it. God, these, these are not the kids that I planned for. This is not the relationship I planned for. This is not the job I planned for. And I'm going to give thanks to you in it. And it's going to keep my heart content. Oftentimes I found there's a big question that will get asked in Christian circles. I just want to know what's God's will for my life. What is God's will for my life? Well, I don't know exactly, but at least here we get a little insight his will is say thank you. Like, just be grateful. So Paul says this, and it's our starting point, and I hope it's hopeful to you. If you're not content today, it can be learned. Say, it can be learned. It can be learned. Let's look at his second truth he brings out here in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What Paul does here is he pushes against a lie that exists in this world and has existed since the garden. And the lie is this. If you want to be happy, if you want to be content, you need the perfect circumstances. You need everything around you to be going in your favor if you are to be content. I mean, think to the garden. If you're familiar with the story, God creates perfect humanity and they have all that they need. And because of freedom, he gives them the option to obey or disobey by means of this tree. And despite everything they have, the lie comes in and says, ah, but you'd be happier if you had that. Change your circumstances. Become like God. And then you'll be content. And that same lie exists today. Here's the lie. Contentment is connected to circumstances. This is the lie that we are told over and over and over again all day long, all of us, that if you really want to be content, you have to have the perfect set of circumstances. And we overemphasize our circumstances above anything else. Our experiences, our relationships, our identity. It all has to be perfect and in order. And if it's there, then I'll be content. And here's what we're told. And this is so much pressure. If you're not happy with your circumstances, change your circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of pressure. But we fall for this lie. So let me give you some examples. If you're not happy with your job, just get a new one. If you're not happy with your marriage, get a divorce. If you're not happy living in New York, move south with the rest of Long Island. Just, we, we are told over and over again, if you're not happy here, and it permeates everything, gender, identity, sexuality, if you're not happy Change it. And I would just offer to you today that if this is your way of living and this is your way of thinking and your truth that you stand by, I wish you had the peace that I have. Because I can't begin to understand how much anxiety you must be under to believe that you have to control every one of your uncontrollable circumstances. That's a lot. 
Maybe you just need that liberation to think of that this morning and just breathe out. You have been acting like a sovereign over your own life, believing the lie that you can somehow control your circumstances. And on your most honest days, you know you can't. We do not have as much control as we like to think that we have. I can't even get my kids to brush their teeth at night. And I'm trying to control the outcome of relationships and jobs and gender and identity and change all of that to hopefully create a perfect set of circumstances so then I'll be happy? Well, if that's your way of living and you have the freedom to live that way, what happens when you do get the perfect set of circumstances and they change without your doing? Has that ever happened to anyone before? Does anyone remember 2020? Anybody? where everything changed. Like, if you're going to connect your contentment to circumstances, you had better be ready to have good days and bad days and happy days and unhappy days and this roller coaster of I'm good, I'm bad, I'm good, I'm bad. You weren't created to attach your contentment to circumstances. So Paul gives us what he calls the secret. Remember he said that? He said, I've learned the secret. And it's a secret because it's not obvious. Not because it's somehow heady and weighty. It's just a secret because it's not obvious. And here's the secret. I'll share it with you. Contentment is not connected to circumstances. That's all he says. He says, I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to have food. I know what it's like to be hungry. And I'm content. And that is such good news, isn't it? Because what that means is despite whatever you are facing today, you can still experience contentment. And if contentment is connected to biblical happiness, then you can experience happiness despite your situations, despite your circumstances. So this is so liberating because this is freedom. So look what the believer gets to experience, what Paul is telling us. You're not happy in your marriage. Things are not going the way you planned. Instead of changing your marriage, the believer gets to wait on the Lord, pursue him, and pray, and say, God, my contentment is found in you, not in this other person. You're not happy in your job. While you may be looking for another job, you still get to have a level of happiness and contentment saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you to open the door. Before you go changing your identity, your gender, your orientation, and saying, I'll be happier that way, you are invited to wait on the God who made you on purpose for a purpose. And, and let me just bring you in. The waiting is incredibly hard. Is anybody in this room just like nailing it? Because I will give you the microphone right now. Come on, all of us, we are saying, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so I just wait on the Lord while my marriage is dysfunctional. Wait on the Lord as a student. I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do with my future here. Wait on the Lord when my friend circles are dysfunctional. Wait on the Lord when I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Like that is hard. Yes, yes. And it is not on you to figure out what to do in that moment. And that's the final truth that we find in Paul's writing. So here's what he writes. And it's a verse that many of us have heard before. In fact, some of you might have a t-shirt, coffee mug, or bumper sticker with this one. Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 
If I can, just for a moment, uh, as you study scripture on your own, a very important part of reading God's word is to understand the context where you are reading. Um, It would be probably detrimental to your relationships if you were reading historical account of the Jews annihilating the Amalekites and you applied it to your neighbor, literally, okay? So... Like you want, you want to know what you're reading in scripture and you want to understand the context of the passage before you just pick out a verse and create what we end up getting, which is false teaching by picking out verses. So I'm not suggesting that you need to go home without your coffee mug if this is on it, okay? But I've even seen guys at the gym that will have Philippians 4.13 on a hoodie and they get under the bench, and in that moment, I'm saying, God, if there's ever a time for you to take this verse out of context and make it work, this little man is about to get crushed. Like, he needs you to come through. I know it's out of context, but just make it happen once, please. So, like, we want to know then, okay, think, we've been talking for a while. What is the context of Paul's writing? When he says, I can do all this, what has he been writing to the Philippian believers, which, by the way, he writes while he is in prison? What is the this? It is contentment. He is doing his best to invite believers into this truth. When you live in this world, you will have hard days. And you will want to give up. And you will maybe even want to turn your back on God. And he says, I've learned the secret of contentment. Paul, how can you possibly live this way? Oh, I can't. Not in my own strength. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. And my prayer this morning is that you would lean into the arms of the Savior who walked where you walk. Do you know what's so beautiful about the Christian faith? Our God came and dwelt among us. Not simply a religious teacher, but one who said, I will take on human flesh and I will endure pain. And he knows if today you're experiencing brokenness in friendships, the Savior knows that pain. If you feel like your family has abandoned you, He knows that pain. If you're grieving the loss of someone, he grieved for Lazarus. Like, he knows the hard days better than anyone else in this room. And it is through him alone, his strength in us, that we can find contentment. What's the alternative? Well, the world says, change your circumstances, reframe your circumstances, I mean, there's even teaching that says that these aren't real, that we, it's just a figment of our imagination, that we just recreate it however we want. That's so much pressure on you. The Christian faith says, you are experiencing brokenness because sin is in this world. And God sent his son to this world to pay the price for sin, to set you free, that the penalty and the power of sin has been done away with. But yes, the presence of sin still remains but so does his spirit. I mean, can we give God praise for that truth this morning? He has not left us as orphans, but he gives us himself. So maybe what we most need to understand is simply this. Contentment is connected to Christ. Don't leave here believing it's your circumstances that will make you happy. Christ 
gives a Makarios happiness that is only found in him. So I wrote down a mantra uh, that I encourage you to, to maybe say this week. Just something as you start your day that can maybe just position you to look up instead of looking around you for hope. And here's what I would suggest. What if, what if we started our days this week this way by saying, this day is stronger than me, but it's not stronger than Christ in me. This day, it's an acknowledgement. Yeah, this day, it's stronger than me. I don't have the strength to overcome this day, but it's not stronger than Christ in me. Might we say that together this morning as we get ready to end? Say, the day is stronger than me, but it's not stronger than Christ in me. I would love to pray for us now that God's word would be sealed in our hearts. And I'd ask you if you would bow your head and maybe close your eyes just to create a space for those around you who can have just a, a quiet space with the Lord. And this morning, you may be really going through some tough things. Like, it's heavy. There's loss, there's pain, there's dysfunction, there's brokenness. As, as a student, there's just friends who have been so unkind. There's worry. There's all of that represented in this room. And there is Christ. And I would love to pray for you now. And if you're maybe saying, hey, Keith, as you pray, would you remember me? I'm going through something heavy. My family, in my singleness. As I pray, as a sign of surrender to the Lord, would you be so bold to just lift your hand to him? It's, it's an act of surrender. It might be a moment that you remember on March 12, 2023, where you say, for some reason, when I lifted my hand in that service, the circumstances didn't change, but I wasn't carrying it anymore. So allow me to pray. And if that's where you are and you want this moment with the Lord, raise your hand to him. Father, I thank you that you are so gracious to us. And I thank you that you see us in our brokenness and you meet us there. That your son Jesus came and walked where we walk and stood where we stand and paid the price for the sin that we commit and that we are now called the adopted children of God and that your spirit lives in us so we don't go through life alone and Paul knew that and I pray today that we would know that and believe it I pray today that our hearts would be content because we are connected to Christ and I pray for all those with their hands raised now Lord that you see and you know you know the stories you know the burdens you know the pain. And God, I believe that you right now, by your Spirit's power in some way, are making the burdens lighter and are drawing us to your heart so that we might understand the contentment that is found in Christ alone. We give thanks to you today for your word. May we now live it out this week, knowing that tomorrow our circumstances may be bad, but our Christ is always good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you offer the Lord praise for what he's done this morning? If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.